electrician, a trade person's podcast. Chewing the fat on how to master your craft. Speaking with folks who work with their hands and learning from experience. What's up, everybody? It's your favorite electrician, Doug, here. Welcome to the work week. Welcome back to your life, everybody. Hopefully, you guys had a great weekend. Uh, I definitely did. Took some time. Chilled out. Uh, worked on the podcast and just kind of took it slow. You know, just doing my damn thing. Just over here kicking it. It's unseasonably warm here in Maryland this time of year, um, which means I'm still getting hot peppers in the garden and tomatoes, which I ain't, I'm not, I ain't mad at. Uh, if I could just make hot sauce forever, I would. Um, because I am a hot sauce fiend. I don't know if any of you out there are hot sauce junkies like I am, but my it's embarrassing. It's a little bit embarrassing. My fridge uh, has a lot of hot sauce in it, like like more than a crazy person's would. And uh, yeah, it's a thing. It's a, an obsession a little bit. I love growing the peppers and then cooking them on an open fire. Whoo, I'm just talking about it. I'm going to do it today. Wanted to start this episode with a few shout outs. That's what the kids say. They say they shout things out to people. Uh, we have got a page over on Patreon. I've, you've heard me talk about it, Modern Electrician at Patreon. It's just a place where you can go, contribute to the show, be a part of the team. Uh, we don't have ads in the show as of now, and I'd like to keep it that way if we can. Um, but So we're banking on uh, listener support. So if you guys like the show, if you like what it brings you, uh, we're going to have some new merch coming your way. And we just added a few new features to our Patreon page too. Uh, you can watch little clips of upcoming episodes before the episodes are released on Patreon. We're just kind of uh, trying to make it uh, worth your while, worth your time. Uh, and when we make some merch, some sweatshirts, we'd love to make some hoodies here soon and some hats. So anyway, that stuff's coming your way. I just want to say thanks to uh, some of the patrons who have already supported. Tim Moreland, Blake Sanders, Parker D. Worth, Rock, Rock, I don't want to mess your name up, Rock, Ulibari, I hope I said that right, Benjamin Nelson, Hyder, and a Hyder, I don't want to mess your name up either, but per- Pervez, uh, Jeffrey Mort, Matt Testerman, Thank you guys so much. Thanks for taking the time to, for even going over there and uh, offering your support. Hopefully, this show does something for your life and uh, it's, it's helping you guys out the way it's helping me out. So that's it. That's my little uh, spiel there. just want to say thanks to all you fine people. Uh, for today's episode, Josh and I sit down with a Canadian surfer. Uh, do what? I, exactly. When I heard that Jason Hogan, our guest today, uh, moved to this little town in British Columbia because of the surfing. I thought, I didn't know you could surf in ice. Uh, but he helped us understand that it does not get that cold over there in BC and that it's a big surfing mecca. And I was talking to my wife about that and she thought it was interesting, and so did I, that so many people in the trades, not all of us, but so many of us stem from that culture, that either surfing or, or um, snowboarding or, or skateboarding or just kind of People who are in bands and that punk subversive culture lends itself to blue collar culture somehow. There's like a cross a, a cross meshing of of worlds there or of uh, things that are appealing, uh, which I find interesting. And it's not all the ca- all cases, you know. Everybody's different, obviously. But there's a, you do see a lot. Like last week's interview uh, with Brian Duffy. Brian is a skateboarder and uh, and runs a company called Test Skateboarding. Uh, so I just found it interesting. The first person that I ever learned the electrical trade from was also a skateboarder and a surfer. And so I just find these interesting interesting cross threads that happen. I mean, you guys could probably tell just by looking at me, but I was in that culture too. No, I wasn't a surfer or a snowboarder. Man, I was a rollerblader and I was good. 
yeah, that's right, I was. You know, rollerblading is like that one sport, if you could call it that, that being good at it is makes it worse because that means you liked it. Uh, but man, that was my, you know, that's where I found myself on a pair of rollerblades. <laughs> I always wanted to be a skateboarder. I thought they were way cooler. And I liked the portability. Like you're wearing your shoes. With rollerblades, you're wearing rollerblades, man. If you start getting chased by the cops, which I don't know if you've ever rollerblade, but it happens all the time. You got to hope you can skate faster than the fastest cop can run. You know, in that sense, rollerblading's way more dangerous than skateboarding. You know, what if you get in a fight? You know, you ever been in a fight with rollerblades on? Doesn't look, not a good look. It's like throwing a ball with your non-dominant hand. But it could happen. What if a, what if a cross-town rival rollerblade gang rolls up and wants to duke it out? You're in trouble, you know? What if you gotta jump a fence? You ever jump a fence with rollerblades on? It's hilarious. It's always a sports blooper. I'm just saying, look, I digress. The point I'm making is that we in the trades seem to have some sort of common thread with punk rock subversive culture. I feel the same way about stand-up comedy. Like stand-up is a very punk rock thing to do. You know, just like hip-hop, you're just up there with the microphone and your thoughts anyway. Uh, there's some common thread that binds us together. And we think you can really pick that up when you listen to Jason talk about both things. We love sitting down with Jason. You're going to like this conversation. We get into the M12 Milwaukee uh, tool series. Josh has been deliberating on whether or not to start to invest in that. So we picked Jason's brain on uh, what he thought about the M12 series. Jason is a big tool nerd. You guys are going to love him. I won't give away any more. Without further ado, enjoy the episode. All right, we're rolling. What's up, everybody? It's your favorite electricians, Doug and Josh here, just chilling with uh, our friend Jason Hogan. Jason is an electrician, master electrician out of uh, British Columbia. Jason, can you tell us the name of the town? Because I couldn't pronounce it to save my life. Yeah, I have trouble pronouncing it sometimes. Uh, Euclid. Some people call it Euclid, um, but for short, everyone just says Yuki. Yuki. Yuki, BC. Yuki. Okay. Yeah. And is that kind of a a pretty, pretty rural spot in British Columbia? It's very rural. It's the closest town with like a McDonald's and a Tim Hortons is about an hour and a half away. Wow. Wow. So if you want so to... we're way out on the far west coast. Oh, you know, the ocean's right there. We everyone in town is just seconds, minutes away from the ocean. That's pretty nice. That's awesome. It sucks to be so far away from a McDonald's, but... <laughs> Yeah, it's a treat, you know. It's a treat that you can't go through uh, Port Alberni without getting some Mickey D's every now and then, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, you're a master electrician. How long have you been at it? I I come from a family of electricians. Like my my dad's an electrician and my brother right out of high school became an electrician who's younger than me and he kind of like paved the way. I was going down more of like a technology and automation line right out of high school. Um, I went to uh, college for electrical engineering technology um, and it was a very direct guided towards the automated industry um back i'm from southern ontario um just out you know outside the gta out of toronto area um and the auto industry was just booming my dad worked at general motors for 30 years and uh, had a great career there and i thought that was the path i was going to take you know i thought i wanted to be work up and be an engineer and uh but through my schooling, they offer, uh, offer a cooperative program where you go and you make a wage in your summers. Okay. And uh, I realized pretty quick it wasn't quite for me, you know. I was in the computer, in the office, and I was always, you know, doing stuff just sitting. And I wanted to be out on the floor with, like, the electricians and rip and tear control panels apart and, 
you know, conveyor belts and all that fun stuff. But it kind of, so I kind of lost interest in the old technology and engineering side mm. at a young age. And then, you know, I was a snowboarder, loved snowboarding. So that's what brought me out west. Unfortunately, teaching snowboarding, you don't make any money. So that passion also, you know, by the late 2000s, I was ready to get back in the trade. And out here, the trades were so predominant. The engineering, you know, you have to be in a big city for that kind of stuff. So just got into the trades, uh, 2010, 2011. And, um, you know, finished my apprenticeship 2017, 2016 in that era. And then a couple years later, wrote my master's. And then a couple years after that, I started my own company. Same time you guys did, just around twenty twenty. Right? All right. Yeah. How's it been going? Yeah. So how's it going so far? It's amazing. You know, there's ups and downs. You know, listening to your podcast, it's been so great because you guys start at the same time, and I've seen you guys talk about your struggles and your successes and crawling around in crawl spaces and. I was just really vibing with that and really enjoying. I'm like, yes, there's other people who love crawl spaces as much as I do. So, <laughs> you know, there was a lot of dirty old Renaults yeah. and, you know, I had my mask on. We actually have the exact same mask. Oh, yeah, you I love when I see you rocking that purple. The little Klein Tools respirator. Oh, is that what yours? Uh, anyways, yeah, very similar one. Uh, the first one I got was actually made by Miller because they, okay. they were originally made uh, to go under a welding helmet. That's what was the oh, yeah. They're, they're slim. Um, slim, and then I went to the supply house one day and picked it up. And I was like, "Oh, Klein! They, they look identical." So I'm, okay, they look identical. Yeah. yeah, okay. So exact same style, and um, yeah, it's going good. Um, now there's not so many rentals right now. There's a lot of new builds out here. Okay. It's a really booming um, town here. You know, there's really only 1,800 people. There's Yakuza and there's Tofino, um, and they're half hour apart out here. Tofino's well known as a, like the surfing uh, mecca of Canada, kind of, and uh, very well known for tourism. Um, and we're kind of just south of there. And uh, between the two towns, there's probably barely more than thirty-five, maybe four thousand people now. Oh, wow, that's pretty small. And there's like seven, seven or eight electrical companies. You know, fifteen uh, contractors build big houses, and it's kind of. You know, really taking off with the new builds out here in recent years. Basically, since I started my trade, right after everything healed from that recession in 2008, it's just been go, go, go. Um, So a lot of new builds. Uh, Right now, I have um, three builds on the go and two more coming up. Um, So very grateful for that. I work with a lot of really nice contractors. A lot of very young uh, movement here with young contractors, you know, carpenters and plumbers and, you know, electricians. So it's really good to uh, be a part of that awesome so you started around the same time as us how did uh how did covid affect you guys up there yeah, i was wondering if we had touched yeah, on yeah, that well, i mean i know i uh, down here we hear rumors about how it, how it happened in canada but was it different yeah, i was wondering if you'd ask me that yeah. and you know what because we live in such a rural remote area we didn't you know we didn't get hit too bad by the lockdowns and the shutdowns and whatever um, you know, a lot of times when it first came out, we were all like him and hawing. You know, my one main carpenter buddy, he kind of shut things down the job sites for the two weeks, right? And just kind of felt things out. And nothing really changed here until like about a year, year and a half into it. Then COVID hit, hit our local levels. And even then, there was all the protocols. You know, you stay home for five days. And But man, I didn't miss a day at work. I, you know... Um, a lot of times, you know, when you're doing a renovation, there's not too many trades. I'm not working in big uh, commercial environments yeah. or big union-based companies. It was pretty chill, yeah. um, you know. 
So I didn't really feel too affected, you know, and I, I, I got to go home, you know, they, you know, everyone was about the lockdown, but I was, my parents didn't fly out here, they were a little uncomfortable wearing a mask on an airplane that long, yeah. so I was going home twice a year okay. through the whole thing for the last two, three years, I just, you know, throw a mask on and my son and I go home to visit grandpa and grandma and, okay, you know, so it wasn't that bad. Yeah, yeah and there's a lot, not a lot of, uh, with, with renovations and new houses, there's not a lot of homeowners there either, so it's like, no, yeah, so, awesome. no. Yeah. And even when I did get COVID, it was such a crunch time that, you know, I I had I got on the Friday and then over the weekend, I was kind of a little bedridden, a little feverish. And then come Monday, you know, I, I went to work. I told the boys I wore my mask. We kept our distance and we I just kept going. Yeah. And um, and everyone seemed to, you know, I said, should I go home? Everyone kind of gave me my distance and I tried to be as respectful as I could. And, and everyone was just like, no, I just keep working. It was a kind of an outside environment. Yeah, yeah. And we just kept rolling. That's awesome. That yeah, we, awesome. we we felt like starting in in that time period with that happening, it was a great test for how strong the business is because it's like mm. start right out the gate and the industry as a whole. Yeah, yeah. You, you really, you know, service people were really need. You know, you know, when someone's sewer pump breaks down or their heat pump and whatever the yeah. furnace. There's, you know, they got going to their home, you know, and a lot of times they, you know, they said, okay, you're coming by, we'll go out for a walk, we'll, you know, we'll give you some space. Yep. Yep. Just be respectful, and we all got through it fairly well out here. I know my brother is an electrician, works for, uh, um, at a nuclear plant in southern Ontario. Well, they were shut down for like two, three months. Yeah. It, it, it was a, they got hit a lot harder in those cities, right? Yeah. So, feel very grateful for being where we are here yeah. in Euclid. Yep. Awesome. How did um how did be how did going to school for electrical engineering how has that affected your career and how you approach the electrical trade? Well, you know, because I, I started getting back into the the trades, 2012, I believe I did my first year, and I was so grateful for the foundation I had in electrical theory. It all, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it. We all know yeah. that. But the reality of it is a little bit of review in your mind, it just starts coming back real quick. And I was really grateful for, for that, you know, so all, you know, DC circuits, AC circuits, parallel series, all that first year fundamental stuff. It was so fun. And, and actually applying it to reality where when you do an engineering school and doing a co-op that wasn't really, it felt like you weren't, getting a real good understanding of the reality of the industry until I got into the electrical, like electrician style instead of the engineering. It was way more um, enjoyable as a, as electrician yeah. because, you know, you do your 10 weeks of school and then you're right back into it on the tools, applying those things, you know, figuring out how to load circuits and way more exciting as electrician versus engineering for me. Yeah. And I always say, if anything ever happened, if I ever fall off a ladder, I could always go back to that. You know, I would have to move to a city or, or you know, there's always, uh, everyone's working from home now, right? So, and that's a whole other thing that's been in this community. Since the internet got really good out here, we have fiber optic internet very fast. People from Vancouver are just flooding hmm. over here, you know, cashing out of that big market. Yeah. Very expensive homes there and buying here. A lot of young people making the move and are almost mortgage-free by the time they, the dust settles from that big move and they can work from home. So we're seeing a lot of that. But um, no, yeah, it was a really good sh- shift from uh, the engineering to like, electrical. You know, it, it was the call. Yeah. Those young people that are making the move, um, I guess they become a great clientele base for you, right? 
Very much so. Very much so. They come in, they, they want to do their renos, they want to do their updates, they want a hot tub, they want a sauna, whatever it is, an EV charger, yeah. a backup generator, a lot of those service calls from that clientele. Yeah. Low, you know. low voltage lights over top of their snowboard collection. <laughs> exactly, you know, exactly. They love that stuff yeah. and uh, that, that, you know, a lot of kitchen rentals, when you talk about low voltage mm-hmm. lighting, that's the majority, you know, under cab lights and and really detailed stuff like that for the most part. But a lot of times people just want those um, – Airbnb is huge yeah. here, right? Yeah. So the And I know it's just blown up all over North America. So to get that hot tub going mm-hmm. for them is huge in the wintertime. And then because, you know, tourism is during the summer. So during the wintertime they could, they could still get people renting with a hot tub or a sauna. So that, that's a huge one here for people moving – from the city. Yeah, I saw on your Instagram, uh, you guys just wired up a uh, one of those barrel saunas. Mm. Yeah, those things are awesome. They're popular. Yeah, those are just so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't believe how expensive they are, you know, like everything. I just, yeah. it's unreal. Yeah. I can't believe the cost of things now. Like hot tubs over COVID basically doubled. You know, I had a guy, he couldn't find a six-person hot tub. He got an eight-person hot tub. I saw, it was like a $25,000 hot tub. And that's, you know, yeah. that's Canadian, probably like 18 grand down there. But like, still, these things are like, wow, you know, it's very shocking for the price of uh, all the, the sauna and stuff. But I love working on them. You know, that one we did, he, he, the customer was like, yeah, do some strip lighting, do. That was really fun. You know, we have dimmable driver and it, it's really nice. That's and they, cool. they turn into a bed too. So, if, oh, wow. you know, if you really want you turn into office. Lots of people are doing multiple things with them, right? Yeah, yeah. That's one of my favorite things in the industry is getting to see – you get to work on things that maybe you can't afford yourself or maybe you just wouldn't want. But going into all these different homes and seeing all these cool setups and stuff. I mean I've been – like just little things like how people set up their mudroom or their garage or their shop. Mm-hmm. It's like I get to – one of my favorite parts is getting to go into someone's house and – Quite frankly, it's like a it's like a cribs episode, but you know, um, for just regular people. You know, I mean, yeah, not, totally. You know, some people that we work for are millionaires, but even just other people on our income level, just how they live their lives, how they set up their kitchen, and I mean, I've, yeah. I've picked people's brains on products they use and stuff just because I see them around the house. So it's like my mm. wife has even said she's jealous of how like we just get to interact with people on a different level you're going into their home you know it's uh, yeah. it's one of my favorite parts of the job you know so yeah 100 percent. i really enjoy that personal feel out here you know it's not and not just here but like same small company right mm-hmm. this one this one I'm trying to get out here it's just like you get that personal feel you want to go above and beyond for them it's not like you know, strictly nine to five. Ah, ah, that pipe's got you know a dog leg in it, or you know that's not the neatest. Ah, whatever. You know, we're we're fine. It's going to get buried behind drywall or whatever. Here, you you just feel like the customer's not always looking over your shoulder, but they're around, and you just want to give them that personal touch, like they gave you. You know, because yeah. you you see them in the grocery store, you see them at the beach. You just you're always seeing them, and you just want to do your best for them. You know, yeah. you want to try to get to that personal level, that real family touch is what it's, it's really all about with the small businesses. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. With the, um, <clears throat> with some of the installs that you're, you guys are doing, are you, I don't know anything about the Canadian electrical grid. Um, mm. are you experiencing yeah. any issues with load demand mm. on existing mm. grid scenarios? 
Yeah, listen to a couple podcasts ago. I think I'm not sure who your guest was, but yeah, you, uh, you guys were talking about that, like the big thing, load shedding, right? Mm-hmm. It's the huge thing now. Yeah. Um, we're pretty lucky down in Euclid. Um, the infrastructure has been designed pretty well down here, but north of us in Tofino, we ran into a bit of a roadblock with uh, upgrading to 400 amp services, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, they have a lot more hotels and a lot more bigger commercial tourism up there. Okay. And a lot more mansions and, and a lot more uh, rich people are up there on the beaches. Um, so it's been booming, booming, booming for a long time. And they, BC Hydro is our hydro distribution. They just said, you know, no more services above 200 amps. So I was able to sneak a couple like, you know, they had a 125 amp service and they're adding saunas and hot tubs and car chargers. You know, and I was able to do a couple 200 amp services over the last year. But no, BC Hydro is running a whole new circuit from the substation up up to Tofino so that now we can do 400 amp and and potentially 600 amp services I the last podcast you had on there I you guys are saying one of your guests 12,000 square foot house with like 600 amps and someone said like 1200 amps or something a residential oh my god yeah they won't give us that residentially they there's no way there's just even for 600 amps we were we were having a really tough time unless the property's zoned for that and for bylaw zoning and it's kind of set up for that you won't you won't get that you know it has to be a certain size but yeah the load shedding with ev chargers and stuff um really looking forward to the technology with you know even just in a panel with a, a, a breaker that could shed totally. you know you know maybe you don't get your uh, dryer while the hot tub's on or whatever the loads may be yeah. i'm really interested in that because the ones i have wired um uh, this load miser uh uh, it uh, you know it only allows you to go to eighty percent of your load of the house before it cuts things off. Yeah. Well, we're allowed to load our main breaker one hundred percent. Wow! And let's lo- let's load it up, right? It, it's meant for two hundred amps or one hundred twenty-five amps. Why you know branch circuits are eighty percent, but like so this load miser was cutting things out at eighty percent, and it's like it wasn't even you know anywhere near the load that the main breaker can handle. Gotcha. So it would be nice to see that technology get a bit better, for sure. Tell us about that load miser. What's that all about? It was, um, oh, what's the brand? DCC uh, is what the brand name was. Um, it was a big, like a box, like a 12 by 12 box. It had uh, a, re- a you know, a big old relay in it with its own little breaker and uh, a couple little clamp-on ammeters that just went around your main. And once it got up there, it just opened up the contactor and killed uh killed whatever load was off the breaker inside the miser right so it i was getting calls from nuisance tripping oh the client you know airbnb of course so like oh they can't charge their tesla tonight and i'm like oh man and i go up there it's working fine and i'm trying to simulate the conditions that were there when the customers were there and a little bit of nuisance tripping so we ended up just upgrading the whole thing because they kept adding a beautiful sauna uh, and they just kept adding things so we just upgraded 200 amps I didn't really take the I, – I disconnected the load miser. It's still there. Mm. Um, but, you know, it would just be great if we could find something that's, uh, you know, cheaper to install. Like this was a $1,500 product mm. and you're ripping up – you know, you're trying to fish drywall through drywall mm. and you're trying to make it look pretty. It's basically a half a day or three-quarters of a day. It gets expensive, right? Yeah. So if you could just slap a breaker into a panel that uh, has its own thing, you know, that monitors and, and sheds – or Something like that would be great. What was that company you guys were talking about that you saw at Nika that was really 
making grounds on that wall box. I don't know if that's the name of the, yeah, the, I, name of the product. That was I the, the name of the car charger was Wallbox. Mm. I, I forget. Mm. They yeah. had a little like relay, um, digital relay with CT clamps. I've since seen um, a company called Span, S-P-A-N, um, LaMontagne um, Electric was, was showcasing some of the stuff that he was checking out from Span. And I don't know much about them, but it looks like um, they have a kind of a smart panel similar to like the Leviton Load Center. And it looked like in just the, the content that I saw, you can, in programming your breakers on the app for the span panel, it gives you the it gives you load shed options. And I might be wrong wow. about that, but I'd like to hear more. If anybody yeah. knows more about span, I'd be interested to know. Yeah, um, yeah he was saying that um, Lamontagne was saying that he he didn't feel like the panel itself was super user friendly. Um, it, it did have kind of a similar setup to the classic QO panel where your your main neutral bus just func- is just in the upper Tiny. tight spot. Oh, yeah. And there's not a... Square D style. Yeah. Square D style and similar to the Leviton Load Center where there's not a ton of gap space on the uh, outside of the breaker. So there's not a ton of space to kind of have your wires float, which yeah. is a downside to the Leviton Center. Um, anyway, it seems like yeah. it seems like that's becoming more and more of a um priority for companies that are it has to be eh? like we're all they're pushing these electric vehicles and you know it seems they're they're not going anywhere and you know say what you want about them you know mining lithium to fossil fuels whatever you want to say about that but the reality of it is it's coming and that technology is going to be really nice and and cheaper to to utilize right i really want to see that for for this boom of EV for sure. cars coming out here. I read, a, I read an article recently about, and I don't know how, you know, how truly accurate this is, but the article was all about the fuel cell and how when the fuel mm. cell was first brought to market, it just, they weren't, it wasn't ready. Um, oh. It wasn't efficient enough. Um, and so there, there's apparently uh, engineers out there working on the newer model of the fuel cell that they're suggesting is going to come in and in, in this one article, you know, ideally blow the socks off of where EV is right now. Because with the fuel cell, you don't, you know, what, basically hydrogen <clears throat> creates electricity uh, the way that that functions. And so um, basically you're – anyway, I don't I, – that's yeah. all I know. It's just a little bit. Uh, so if anybody knows more about where the fuel cell might be headed, I'm, I'm interested to know. Uh, because I think that article was really saying that everybody who's making these, like, investments in EV right now – they're, they're interested to see how that plays out in the long run because it's like, do we yeah. make this big jump and then the fuel cell comes in and blows it out of the way? And I don't know that that's true. It might not be yeah. true. That's always the struggle with being yeah. the first adopter, right? You mm-hmm. know, and it's like, yeah. for us as an industry, it's yeah. like, we talked about it at NECA. It's like, there's all these products that certain companies want you to lean into that you're pretty committed once you do. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know we, have a, we have a county in Maryland um, that has now made it code to include in a new home wiring for an ev charger mm. which is a great concept uh, we have yeah same here same, same yep. here yep so but unless you know the hydrogen fuel cell blows it out of the water and it's like it's just a waste of yeah yeah but i don't know so, i don't know that that's going to be the case it's such an interesting yeah exactly you know like i remember before the you know before ev took off it, you know, hydrogen cars, you thought they were right around the corner. Back in the early 2000s, you just thought, oh, the technology's there. You know, they're going, they're coming. But however that played out, yeah, yeah. it's all good. I you know, never, I still... Oh, I'm sorry. Have you ever heard the concept of how, like, one technology, if we, we lean on it and run with it, it kind of 
prevents all other progression. So it's like, you know, they talk about it with the gasoline cars, right? Like we adopted them super early on. And as a result, any other technology like electric cars and stuff just it didn't even come to market because we just took off because we're just a car culture. Right. And so there's, there's yeah. a theory that humans invented the wheel however long ago and that we've kind of been like relying on that as like a, an easy, it's a lazy way. So I have a friend, yeah. I have a friend who thought we'd have, you know, space, like spaceships everywhere sure. now, now if we didn't have the wheel, you know, hundred thousand years ago or whatever. So 10,000 years. Interesting thought. Yeah, yeah. Interesting thought for sure. But I'm just an electrician. So. That's right. Yeah, exactly. We'll just wire it up. and uh, That's right. That's, that's, how how you know. that's right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, speaking of which, we'd love to chat with you a little bit about uh, the differences between the uh, National Electrical Code here in the in the States. And uh, what do you guys have, the Canadian Electrical C-E-C. Code? Yes. Yeah. CEC, NEC. They sound so similar, but they're so different. And it's so similar in a lot of ways, but so different in others. And you know, the only reason I know so much about the CEC is basically, or so the, the NEC is basically from, you know, Instagram yeah. and all, you know, all the, you know, influencers and people down, down there, you know, with like, like Mike Holtz and his uh, enterprise and stuff. And it's just so much information out there. And, you know, some of the big differences, you know, I always see these pictures where you guys are coming all your branch circuits through the main hub. Like you'll have your main lugs at the top. And all your branch circuits are running right beside there. Mm-hmm. You know, we cannot do that unless it's, um, you know, a branch circuit and just a load center. Like, uh, you know, you have your main panel and then further on down the line. But those load centers without the main disconnect cover, yeah. they're more expensive than the regular panel. So it's just common practice for us to have our mains in the main section and all the branch circuits down below. Okay. Which makes it a bit trickier when you're running wire, because if your main's coming in the top, you got to have enough wire to come in the sides yeah. or all the way down the bottom and up in. Gotcha. Uh, okay, so that, they, that makes a lot of sense now, because I've seen some pictures of um, uh, Tatiana, was that? She's mm-hmm. up in Canada, I think. Yeah. yeah. She, and I saw her do a panel where she came down into the sides. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, I was just curious. I mean, I thought it was, a, it was a cool look, but I was curious why she did that. I didn't know there was an actual, there was a reason. Yeah. Interesting. That's a major one for sure, I see. It's just a habit now. I don't, you know, wish I'm coming through the top with my mains. It it could be nice in some scenarios, but um, it, you know, it's just a habit that you live with. Yeah. But the big the big thing too is the the metric to the imperial. The the you know that's an old story. You know, I think you guys are one of the last countries holding on to imperial, but <laughs> I love it. You know, I absolutely love it. And like my dad, when he was growing up in the 60s and 70s, it was still all imperial up here. And I don't know what year, you know, metric really got a hold in Canada, but uh, somewhere around that time frame. So, you know, and then we were just raised with both, you know, coming up, you had to know, you know, help my dad cut wood and stuff. You had to know the tape measure, the imperial tape measure. But then getting into school, man, this metric, you know, it is easier. It's all, you know, fractions of 10 or whatever. It's easy to work with, but you got to be quick at transferring back and forth from metric to imperial. So we're all running around with these tape measures that are like half, you know, half uh, metric, half imperial. Mm -hmm. And then like the carpenter picks up your tape measure and they're like, what the heck? Why do you even have this metric on here? Because carpenters, they just run imperial, all of them still. So it's a real mixed thing. Interesting. Um, you get good. You get used to jumping back and forth, but it's still a pain in the butt. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. It's still a pain. Um, we have metric listings. The NEC has metric listings. It's just that when you're studying 
for your exams and you're getting your new code book, what we do as a habit and where you're taught at, in your classes is to just go in any table where you have both metric and imperial listings and just yellow highlight, highlight them. the imperial listings because we don't use the metric. You know, yeah, you're never right. you're never tested metric here. Um, but there is metric in the NEC. Yeah, it's in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. It's just a little bit of a nod to the Canadians up there. Just saying, hey, y'all, we just in case you want, just in case you're curious, you can read this. Book. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's it. Yeah. I know. We, we I'm don't definitely remember curious. both, though. That, that mm-hmm. seems like that would be really hard. Yeah. Yeah, it's like trying to speak two languages. It is like speaking. It is. It is at the same time. And I'm such a habit. Like, oh, yeah, I'd dig the trench two feet, you know? And then it's like, well, you know, 300 millimeters. And like, oh, it, it has to be like 30 inches of uh, um, wire sticking on the top of your service entrance head. And then my inspector's like, no, it's 450 millimeters. You're like, oh, right. So when I'm talking <laughs> with my inspector. We have a lovely inspector. He's a beauty, just a genius. Answers the phone. And when I'm talking to him, I'm trying to get in the habit of talking metric. Yeah. But like, if I'm not thinking that way, I'm just like, oh yeah, two foot, one foot. Oh yeah, the main breaker can't be higher than one foot or five foot. All these things, and he's like, no, no, it's 1.5 meters. Or so it's just you kind of get used to it. But sure. that that leads into another good question with inspectors. I know from talking to my dad and my brothers back in Ontario, you know, there's multiple inspectors because the population's way more. Man, our guy, he covers an area so vast, hmm. and he's, you know, I feel like he's spread pretty thin, still has time to answer the phone, um, a lot of video, a lot of pictures are required, because he cannot get to every job site, and I know a lot of times you guys in other parts of the North America can't cover things up, can't put drywall on until someone comes physically. So how is that for you guys? Do you guys have to have an inspector come physically to the job site? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you only have one guy out there, huh? That's why one guy for like port, not like Victoria would have its own, okay. and yeah, all they're... the other cities. Yeah. But our guy covers from Port Alberni west, Damn. Wow. like the high so a, a very hours of driving. Whoa, that's wild. Yeah, yeah. We have every, every jurisdiction has its own inspectors, but yeah, it's it's probably based off of population, like you said. I mean, mm-hmm. we're we're in a pretty small city of, of Frederick, and uh, we've right. got. Two? I think two. Two. There's the there's the yeah. chief and, and uh one other. And they're both great yeah. in the city. They're they're thorough, they know their stuff, um, but they're they they like will sit and talk through concepts with you and try to like help you understand what they're looking for. It's great. It's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, but that's amazing. Yeah. But they do have to they have to see it usually. Yeah. Now if we if there's something they don't like and we have to fix it, usually they'll say just fix it, send me a picture and I'll yeah. pass it. Right. So that's, yeah. that's pretty cool. And they get to know you. That's nice. You know, they get to know you and know your work. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's great. I'm, I'm so happy. This guy, he is new for a year or two now. Basically, he got the job right before I opened up my company. Okay. And, uh, you know, learning the whole new thing of pulling permits, all the computer work, and, and, you know, we have to do these declarations. So if you bury a wire in the ground, you have to do a, a rough wire declaration with mm. pictures and, mm. you know, same thing as you go through a project. You know, just a little more is, writing, is, maybe. Is the declaration just to kind of have a written record of it? Is that the idea? Yeah, or? exactly. It's it's just um, it's submitting uh, basically an order form, or okay. it's just it's just so I, whatever the insurances are happy and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, you know, it allows him to not come to every job site. I believe too. If you're taking pictures and yeah. making these declarations along the way. Um, it, it, it makes it more efficient to get the job done, I suppose. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. and it's documented, right? Yeah. So and what a learning curve that was. Like you spend a whole, you know, decade almost of learning how to do the, the work. And I wasn't about to call up my old boss, who's still a great friend of mine, be like, oh, how do you pull this permit? And what paperwork do you do for that? So very fortunate that the inspector was there to kind of kind of hold my hand along the way a bit. Yeah. I didn't want to lean yeah. on him too hard because, you know, you're in the deep end of the, the pool now, right? So yeah. you kind of want to learn on your own, but it's great to have help. Because I made mistakes, you know, I was declaring finals before a rough-in, you know, and the guy would bury a trench wire and say, oh, yeah, i am done that job, final. He's like, well, you buried wire. You have to do the rough wire declaration. I'm like, oh, right. Oh, okay. So he failed that one. I go through the process again. And, you know, just a learning, yeah. big learning curve with the paperwork. So you're saying that you didn't reach out to your former employer. Who do you talk to when it comes to, like, because you started your own company, Around the same time we did. You know, fortunately for Josh and I, we have each other to bounce ideas off of. Um, who, do you, who do you talk to? Who are your mentors? Who do you look, when you need to know how to do something in your area, who do you talk to? Yeah, well, definitely I'll, I'll hit up my inspector first because that's more a professional level. Yeah. But like I said, my, my old boss is a beauty. We're surfing friends. We're good. We're friends still, right? And it was a good, you know, I gave him eight months notice eight when I was going on my own. I wanted to be very upfront, and he knew it was my passion, my whole apprenticeship with him. Yeah. It just was a matter of when. So I, we still talk. You know, he called me up the other day wondering what smart switches I'm using. Yeah. I called him, uh, you know, and if, he, if he's short on material and I'm short, we, we still have that connection. We're very fortunate with all the electricians in town for material stuff like that. Um, you know, if you're short on something, we just help each other out. because. awesome. The closest supply house is, uh, you know, three hours away. No, <laughs> three hours away. What do you do? That was going to be one of my questions. That's, it's like what do you do? that's a great topic of conversation right there. We are very fortunate with our delivery systems okay. out here. Wow, um, Jesus. There's a big road construction about a half hour up the road towards the east side of the island, like, and it's been ongoing. They were supposed to be done two three years ago and it's it's been ongoing it seems like a decade now but it's probably only about three or four years and so that we used to be able to order by nine o'clock in the morning and we'd have it by three o'clock that afternoon whatever you need you could put a massive order together give the boys an hour to pick it and you would get you would get it that day now with the road closures and the construction if I call at 7 a.m. and ask for a couple things maybe if they're in a good mood they'll pick it for me and get it on the truck but I always try to call the day before and, and, and go that route. But, man, we are so grateful for that delivery system. It's a local delivery company. They have a couple trucks, real small. I could call the driver up, meet him on a job site. It's really personal family feel. And uh, we're very wow. fortunate for that. Otherwise, we, we wouldn't get it done. But I, I used to just – my old boss and I, we would call up literally the day before – before supply shortages, right? And we would get whatever you wanted. They had it all before COVID and all of the supply shortage stuff. Now, like when I started my company, I had all this work lined up and I didn't know if I could get the material. So basically I bought, I took all, you know, all my little savings I had and put it into material, panels and wire. And Wow. Finally now, like 18 months later, I'm, I'm starting to use some of that material that I bought because I was worried the job would come up and I wouldn't have it. Yeah, it makes that's, sense. There's that's a smart. lot of foresight. You know, it's smart. You know, I have a C can, like a little storage unit, uh, shipping container thing. 
and it's just packed full of, wow. of, of everything you need so that if, if I get a service call or a service upgrade or whatever, hopefully I can help that client out. Yeah. But well, we seem to be recovering. We seem yeah. to be recovering in the supply shortages. How about you guys? Yeah. Up and down. Yeah. I mean, we weren't, we weren't smart and we didn't buy a bunch of stuff like that. We probably should have. Yeah. Um, a big, the big thing for us is meter cans. And, uh, yeah, they were, yeah. Yeah, it's exterior disconnects, things like that. Yeah, we, yeah. we've got a few jobs that, um, we had to extend. Our, our permits are good for a year, and we had to extend mm-hmm. one because it's been sitting mm-hmm. there waiting for a year. Yeah. So, yeah. um, you know, most people are understanding, but that doesn't help with getting the work done. Right. You know? No, it doesn't help, um, right? And do you guys have any? And I know, like, I, I bought 15 panels a while back, wow. okay. and I had this massive stack of panels. And just because there was no panels, I kept oh, every time I called, you got panels in, ah, oh, add another two to the back order. And then months of that, and then one day I had 15 show up. I was like, oh, I didn't know I had that many <laughs> back ordered. Yeah. But it was good. A couple yeah. guys in town like, oh, I hear you got some panels. Can can you give me some until mine come in? And yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of nice. And, um, yeah, it was, it was really nice to have the material now. You know, uh, there's one guy in California, Right Wire Electric. I don't know if you follow him, but that yeah. guy motivated me to, like, you're you're not, you know, you're investing. You might as well spend that money on material if you have it because it's just, like, It'll be paid for months before the job comes. Yeah. And then when you finally get paid for that job, you know, it's not necessarily money in, money out that month. You've already paid for it months ago. So I'm really trying to learn from him on that, right? And, and yeah. try to stock, keep keep some stock. I really want to get him on the show. If you, have you seen him? Oh, man. I want to say a little bit. He's, maybe, a, but. he's a dude out of California, and, and he just seems like he's incredibly methodical and meticulous, and all his work looks real interesting and yeah. real thought yeah. through. The experience. And, yeah, you know, yeah. we don't, you know, out here and like I don't. Besides my dad, I don't know too many electricians still in the industry that are, however old he is, he's probably got 20, 30 years experience. It's yeah. just amazing to see that and the motivation that he still has at that age is like, you know, I don't need to retire. Like I want to be fifty, six years old and still enjoying what I do. I'm fine wearing a belt or, you know, maybe the crawl spaces may become a little farther apart but you know it's a great industry and guys like that motivate me right yeah. so it's a good place to die crawl space you just yeah close the door just close the door close the yep. door the next electrician will find you t- 20 years down the road <laughs> no need for a funeral here lies here lies doug the smell you gotta get past the smell give it a month the smell yeah exactly so yeah you guys want to talk tools a little bit oh yeah we want to know it tools. Yeah. So I heard when you came back from Nika or somewhere along that timeline, Josh, you got a new M12 tool. What was that M12 tool that you got? So um, I am admittedly a um, a terrible home mechanic, auto mechanic. So I love tinkering okay. with my vehicles, right? And I watched a lot of YouTube videos where all these guys are using the M12 3.8 ratchet. And right. I, yeah. I got I to get one of those. They look really cool. But I couldn't find anything else in the M12 lineup that I would use in my daily work as an electrician. Mm. And when it comes to, you know, with those batteries, if you don't have your batteries charged up, if you use them once a month, it's like, you know. So Mm. I I wanted to be able to to find a tool that I would use daily or every other day so I would have charged batteries that were working so that when I went to work on the Jeep, I had 
the ratchet ready right. to go, right? Because uh, right, right. it's like otherwise, it's like those Black and Deckers that sit on the shelves in a homeowner's basement. They use it once every twelve years, you know. Yeah. Um, so when we went to Nika, we found the Romex stapler, M12 Romex stapler. I really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a couple other things. Yeah, there were but a couple of other things. That was the one I, I really saw that I liked. Um, and we've had a couple of people reach out on the same topic as far as like just yeah. sending messages to say, you know, the M12. Uh, one guy said, and I, I'm drawing a blank in the name, but he, he mentioned that he uses more M12 than he does the M18, like as far as like for just residential service work. His, yeah. Even his little, his little impact is an M12. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you, what's your experience? Yeah, I'm going that way too, you know, as uh I remember when I started my apprenticeship and, you know, it was all Makita. My dad bought me a Makita kit and all the carpenters were rocking Makita and it, it was great, you know. And then my, my boss showed up with that little Makita 12 volt, their mm-hmm. first generation. I was like, man, that is cool for, you know, trimming out and finishing and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, man, that'd be great. And then the technology just kind of idled for a bit, it seemed, on the 12 volt platform. And then yeah. in recent years, just especially with Milwaukee, they just flooded the market with all these things. So... You know, and being an electrician, a residential electrician, you know, our demand isn't crazy. So I kind of went nuts. I, you know, I, I got the, the ratcheting cutter, you know, that stripper, the M12 cable stripper. Just all that, yeah. Um, you know, the Cirque saw, my, my uh, impact, like you name it basically, that little radio. Like I've kind of gone that way. And even more exciting now that they've released the new battery, right? The new battery with the higher cells, like oh, 2160. I, I didn't know about that. Yeah, it's it's like a two and a half amp hour for the little compact size. And then the bigger ones, um, it's a five amp hour. Okay. But it's a higher output. It gives more juice, you know, and it runs cooler, it runs faster, all those things they claim. So that, you know... For that Cirque saw, especially, that little Cirque saw fits in my pack out good. I can just cram more tools in one box when you're using M12. And, uh, you know, it it bogs a bit on some lumber. If it's wet, the blade, my blade probably could be changed. But I feel like this new battery might give it a bit of boost. So I've kind of heard that online anyways. It seems like this – so it ain't going anywhere. And I feel like for us electricians, it's so compact and small – um, you know, I could clip, I could clip that little M12 surge impact on my belt and it's not weighing down my belt. It's mm. not, it's not clunky. So it, it drives three inch screws. No problem. Now I'm not mm. building decks or anything, right. but it's great for what we need. Okay. I, you know, I'm so, I was so hesitant to commit. I bought it. I got it from Home Depot down here and they've got a great return policy. So it's still sitting in the box in case I decided to take it back. I, I just, I was really hesitant to, to really commit to it but um, is that the ratchet or what yeah yeah but, yeah. but, but the, the way I went into Home Depot and they had um, someone in there selling stuff so it was like you buy you buy the starter kit which is a charger and I think I got one of the bigger batteries for it one of the higher amp hour ones and then you got yeah. you got to pick a free tool and so oh, yeah. I, I was like, yeah, I said, I all right. the yeah, she's like, you know, well, there's a list of what the tools are. And I said to myself in that moment, if that three eighths ratchet is on that list, I'll get it. And she's like, yeah, uh, it doesn't look like it is, but I'll give it to you. I was like, oh, uh, close enough. Sweet. Yeah. So, sweet. yeah. So, I mean, I'm excited to try it out. You know, I've been one of those people I have. We have the Makita drywall saw. I saw you using oh. that. Uh, dude. Oh, it's, I think it's the only one on the market. Like, know, no one else jumped on that. I'm historically a Dewalt guy, um, just because yeah. I've never had much of a problem with their their products. And but <laughs> like, 
they don't they don't make that thing, and 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 Milwaukee doesn't make that thing. And mm-hmm. I would like I don't know if they're waiting for the patent to run out or what, but it's yeah. like you know, and, you know what? I was so weird when I bought that Makita drywall cutter. Um, you know, I just assumed oh yeah, I just go to the store and buy another blade when I ram it into some drywall screws or metal, but. You know, it was really hard to get. You had to order it online, blah, blah, blah. And the, and the guy who sold it to me said, you could put, like, a, you know, a box opener knife in there or, like, an X-Acto blade hmm. in there as well. I haven't – I'm still on this original blade for probably pushing three years now. Oh, and the good yeah. trick that I use, and I've seen it on uh, social media as well, is you just take one of those little magnetic stud finders. You know, you draw out your square – you're perfectly plumb square, and then you just take that magnetic drywall. C.H. Hansen makes a lovely one, and uh, you know, a little something like this, right? It just like yep. sticks onto the metal, so that way I'm not running into drywall screws. And I yeah. pop all the drywall screws, and then what a clean cut, the little vacuum. I hook up my um, pack out vacuum to it, and away you go. It's yeah. it's uh, it's quiet too. You know, you're not taking the multi tool out. I used to run a cirque saw ripping drywall dust, and my boss would come in, and he's like, "Whoa, whoa, there's gonna be a cloud." He's like, yeah, "What you smoking here, man?" <laughs> We've and it's like it was the only way to get a straight line because we all know the jab saw. You'd be yeah, going right, down, yeah. and it's a yeah. little rough, or you know, the the sawzall. God, we I take a yeah. sawzall bouncing off the drywall, oh, and you're like, "Man, what? Something's got to give." And when that thing came out. I remember I was doing um, a kitchen renovation, like a, a commercial restaurant up in Tofino, and I had 30 feet, 40 foot strips yeah. of drywall to take down, double double five eights kind of thing. And oh. man, I was running the multi tool and just essing my way down. I was like, oh, I, I just got by it. And the, the restaurant owner said, hey, listen, if you know if you buy that, you know, he's like. I'll give you extra money for it. Like whatever it does to cut a straighter line. And so I bought it and it was just not a, no regrets. You know, one of those tools just to this day is amazing with the dust collection too. It's pretty nice. Yeah. It's amazing for me. It's like, it's the only, I used to have, um, Kita driver and drill. I never really used them. I I hate having multiple chargers batteries. and multiple batteries. Yeah, and and that's the only thing that really helped me back on the M12. I know if you're in the Milwaukee system, they make one charger for both the 18 mm-hmm. and the 12, and that's pretty nice. But uh, oh, for sure, it's like so. That's been the hard sell for me is is mm-hmm. having multiple chargers, multiple batteries. I, batteries are amazing as a technology, but I also kind of hate them. Yeah, you know, it's like, and especially the more of them you get. It's easier to lose one somewhere, yeah. and which yeah. one's older, and so it's a challenge. Every you know, now that I have two guys working for me, and things get spread out a little bit, you know, I got one, two roughins going. I try like on a Friday or at least a couple times a month, just pull all the batteries back into one packout kit. I know how many I have. I could do the count. And, you know, everyone has a different relationship with batteries. In the, in the 10 or 12 years I've been doing this, I've only had one battery die on me. Whoa. It's because I used, you know, I was on top of the ladder, Makita Impact, and uh, I didn't, you know, I used it as a hammer, right? I took, <laughs> I took the back. I was like, bam, bam, bam. Like, it went right through the battery. I was like, man, that, that was a smart move there. Yeah, I like how you weren't going to admit it, but then you did. <laughs> yeah, you know. So that's an interesting question because we, we have one employee and, and we're going to, at some point, we're going to be growing a little bit, you know, with tools. You provide them all. You let your guys provide them. How do you do that? Yeah, well, I had an employee before who was just first year, super green, um, didn't have any tools. 
and I didn't, you know, I didn't really want him going to Canadian Tire or, um, you know, like what do you guys call it, like Home like Depot. a real baseline store, right. sure. yeah. and buying like a ten dollar pair of pliers and strippers and seeing him struggle cutting Lumex, you know. Yeah. So I gave him all my uh, Knit Pick stuff because I had extras. Like you, while you're working for me, you can use this. Okay. And um, and now the guys I have, they're fourth year apprentices, so they have their base model hand tools and impact drivers. But, you know, they don't have all the specialty tools that come with, you know, like a tool junkie that would have, right? So I definitely supply them to make their job easy. I don't want them struggling. Like I remember uh, as an apprentice, one of the guys I worked for was like, oh, yeah, drill holes around the corner. You know, the old Makita uh, D-handled with like the rusty old auger and you're throwing your back out to get through the hole. And I'm like, this does not make sense. And I didn't know enough. I didn't know how to sharpen augers at that time. I'm just leaning on it, you know, 25 years old, my back sore from drilling out a dozen holes. I'm like, this isn't right. And now, now learning, like I just give them, you know, I rock the spade bits a lot for drilling holes. Those little, you know, Bosch, uh, Diablo, whatever. Everyone makes it lovely with a little worm. And I, and they're like six bucks, five bucks. You know, we have the big augers for sure, but I just, you know, make sure the boys are running fresh spade bits Making sure that, like, if I see them struggling, I'm like, no, nah, man, here here you go. Like, I remember struggling like that, and yeah. it sucked. Yeah. And I had to learn how, you know, you know, my my bosses love tools, but I was always, like, the tool junkie. Mm-hmm. And they would be like, oh, you got that now. Oh, let's try that. And they'd be like, <laughs> they'd be funny me for spending all my money on tools, right? But it was an investment. It was yeah. always an investment into the future. And now that I'm set up and the boys, if they get struggling, you just hand them that tool and – and uh, and they see if they see a clean, respectable tool yeah. that's been taken care of, they're going to respect that too. Yeah. You know, I'm not tripping over an extension cord, rocking a D handle 25 feet in the air, drilling a hole through a pole, and it spin off. And there's you know tripping on it. Maybe you know I fell off a ladder, a 25 foot ladder, doing a pole once. Oh. Luckily, I I bear hugged the pole and slid down and climbed over the meter base, cut myself all up. But from that day on, I was like, man, no more. They yeah. make tools. Sure, you know, and I, you know, I, then I bought the Super Hog from Milwaukee with the clutch in it. Yeah. No more of that. I'm not dragging a cord up a 25-foot ladder and it's getting caught on the rungs on the way up. You're, you're miserable. You're miserable yeah. at work running this stuff. So, you know, I don't want my guys to be miserable. I want them to love what they're doing and just give them the tool. And it's fun. We want yeah. to have fun at, at work, right? I feel yes. like a Canadian out in the bush, uh, bear hugging and sliding down a pole. That's the only way I saw that story going. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> no one got hurt. That's the main thing, right? Yeah. yeah. You mentioned but never again. And even then, I learned how to tie off a ladder. And I went out and bought yeah. when I went my own. I went all ladders, little giant ladders. Yeah. Um, they're hard to find. There's only Lowe's is the only store that sells them up here, and they're kind mm-hmm. of low on stock. So I found a distributor in Vancouver who orders straight from the factory in Colorado. Okay. You talking about the green and, ones? Um, those green, like, expandable, expandable ones? Yeah, they're, they're, they make a, so many models. <clears throat> Excuse me. The ones I went with is um, the King Combo, a little five-footer yeah. to start. And then yeah. I bought the Dark Horse, which is, you know, we've all been on the staircase, and you can't get to that top pot right. light. That's right. And that's that made it so safe, you know. And then you're, you're spending a couple hours – back in the day getting platforms set up and you're like oh getting the carpenters to help you out well those days are over i just like extend it on an angle everything's safe it's heavier than anything like it's a heavy ladder but it does everything it can flip up to an extension 
you can go like 22 feet in the air with the one I got. Yeah. And then eventually I had to get uh, an extension ladder. And I wasn't going to get one that anybody was slipping off a hydro pole. That's for sure. Yeah. So, and little giants have this lovely safety package. They have this pole strap on the top that really hugs the pole nicely. Um, And it comes with like a level and all these features, you you know, these uh, sumo stance feet. So if you're on unlevel ground, you can level it out. Yeah, man. Just safety first and enjoyable. Like, the ladders are so expensive though those little giant ladders but like you kind of when you're paying it you're like oh my god but then <laughs> you use it you don't think about the cost yeah well and i think you, you you hit on something that we've been trying to do it's like you started your own company and now you can do the things that you wanted the other companies to do it's like you know we've recently invested in tools that no other company i've worked for has had and it's like but we know like you said it's going to make our work life pleasant and better and we're going to be able to provide for our customers better and our employees better. And it's like that's the beauty of creating your own work culture is you're like, you know, no, you're like, we get to have that here. Yeah. We yeah. get to have nice ladders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, exactly. That's yeah. one of the main reasons I went on my own. <clears throat> when I showed up with a pack out for the first time when they came out, you know, the classic three, mm-hmm. the three boxes or whatever when they first came out. I showed up. The boss is like, that ain't going to fit in the van. Like, what do you, you know? And it's like. Oh, I'll fit it in there. Don't you worry. And, <laughs> and so I just, yeah, exactly. I didn't want to be held back for the tools I, I had or the van that I built. Like my van's a beater. It's a rust bucket, but it's a bit of a sleeper. No one knows what's inside of it. Yeah. But, but like the reality of it is like I was so happy to design and build that van out. And uh, it really just puts a smile on my face going to work. You know, everything has a spot. My mm-hmm. guys know where it goes. It's all got the label maker on the pack out. It's, you know, it's a moist environment here. It's always raining. It's always, you know, it's always wet out here. So, you know, with the seals, pretty good. You know, the drawers, I was a little bummed out with the pack out drawers that they aren't sealed. They don't have that IP65 rating or whatever. But uh, the condensation's one thing with the drawers. That's, I, you know, I just was a little let down with the drawers. I love them, use them to this day. But if you're in big drastic changes in temperature, they will condensate and you yeah. do. It's a bit of a bummer, yeah. but it's not. I'll st- I still buy drawers. I, it's so useful. I don't have to move a hundred packouts around to get to what I need. Right. You position, you design your van to work so all your drawers are on the bottom, and all your flip lids are on the top. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, man, it's that. That's the main reason I enjoy it so much. Is like the tools, and you know, I I buy all those tools as an employee, but you can only write off a small percentage as an employee. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So do you guys, on, for the moisture, do you guys use any kind of like silica packs or you just oil stuff a lot? That's a great idea. You know, like I'll tell you the one, the major thing was my breakers. Uh, the two pole breakers, they have a metal piece. I, I rock Siemens. It's okay. kind of uh, the one brand that my old boss used and I just, you know, my supp- main supply house, whatever. I rock them. They're great. Yeah. But the metal little part, the tie bar that ties the two pole breakers together. You know, the one I spent all this time, got my drawers all lined up nice, and, and it was rusting. I noticed no. by springtime, brand new breakers, and they're, like, patining and kind of rusting a bit. And I'm like, oh, man, like, I got to sell this to a client, but I don't want a client to call me on selling them old breakers. I mean, like, no, yeah. no, it's new. I just took Sharpie and, and covered over the rust, did a couple layers of Sharpie, and it looks great. But I was like, <laughs> this isn't a fix. Like, this will yeah. get, this will allow me to sell these breakers. They're brand new breakers. Nothing wrong with them. 
So what I did is I turned it into a two-drawer setup, and I kept them in the box. Like, you know how the breakers no, come in a box, right? Yeah. Just like this. You know, I kept them in a box, and then that prevents – that's another thermal break, so I don't get the condensation, and the, and the yeah. breakers aren't wet anymore. So that was kind of a fix. That silica pack, that's a good idea, you know. And I do take the dehumidifier out and plug it in. Okay. And uh, really looking forward to buying the new M18 power supply. The, <laughs> that one looks sick. Yeah. Because they were from the MX Fuel. I was like, maybe I should. Sorry, is that the, What do they call it? That, that, is, you're talking about the big box thing? Yeah, yeah, it's a power supply that Milwaukee just released this year. Um it's in it's the eighteen volt version though, right? Okay. So a couple okay. years ago they did the MX line, three thousand dollars. Well I have a Honda generator that I paid three thousand dollars for. I'm not you know, that thing just runs when I need it. I wasn't about to hop onto this new platform when yeah. I already have fifteen uh, uh you know, eighteen volt batteries. So I was a little bummed out, I was like, Oh man, they gotta come out and then you know, DeWalt had their power supply for a while, then like Ryobi made the power supply. I was like, come on, guys. Like, come on, Milwaukee. Let's go and find this year. They released one. So now, you know, and it's only, it's eight, nine hundred bucks compared to the MX Fuel one, which is like around three thousand. So now when I feel like I can afford to buy that, like I will, and I just can keep that. I don't have to run extension cords out, slam the door on an extension cord. I could just run my dehumidifier or heater in my van off that, right? So. That's great. That's that's one way to help the moisture in the van. Yeah. It's just you know running the dehumidifier, okay. however you do it. Um, but it, it's a concern. You got to take care of your tools. You know. Yeah. Those are the those are the little problems that um, I love having to deal with. That most big companies are like, oh, well, then we just got we're not keeping breakers in the van anymore. You just take what you need, and it's like, well, that's not a solution. Yeah. It's like you know, I, I'd rather, although, and Doug knows it. It's it's kind of my my problem is I'm a perfectionist who's all or nothing, and so if I don't have the perfect solution, I'm just kind of torn up about it in my head. And so yeah. it's like, we we deal with some moisture here, but not like not to that degree. Like but that, like no. I am recently like my breaker situation on my van, um, they just get beat up and they rattle around and they're dusty and I just so it's just yeah. like I'm looking for I'm always brainstorming the next solution um, yeah the dust was a big one hey that yeah. dust in them they're bouncing around oh you pull all these the brain gets worn off yeah. on them and the number gets worn off yeah. and um and and you're like all right well i like having for what we do i like having almost like noah's ark i like having at least one or two of every breaker yeah um and then i, I exactly. replace them as i use them but yes yeah, some of them like you know the really oddball ones that i like having because they're three days out if you order them but they spend a year bouncing around in the van, and they're yeah. almost unsellable to a customer. No, so yeah, um, that was even down to like cover plates, a cheap cover plate. Yeah, you know, and you get some one off like a two gang blank cover plate with like just just blank. You're like, you know, and then by the time you pull it out, it's it's trash. It's all yeah. scratched up. So that was a big thing. Like, and same thing with uh, you know keeping metal boxes in a metal crate. Keeping, uh, you know, I use a lot. of Plastic, uh, New Tech is this brand up here from Iberville. Okay. I love plastic boxes. You know, they're mm. solid. Uh, you know, the, a lot of guys back east, I see, they love those little device boxes that are still metal. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I hate those because you're like a millimeter away from shorting out, you know. Okay. Whatever, right. you wrap yeah. your tape around them, yeah. whatever you got to do. Yeah. But we're, we're plastic box guys here for the most part. What about you guys? What are you using for your boxes mainly? Plastic when we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah the, the metal boxes have their, have their place. Yeah. We're in a know? historic or, town, so... In a lot of these really old homes, the um, 
the wall cavities, the interior wall cavities are just too shallow to use even like a 14 cubic inch. Yeah. Um, okay. So like the little metal gem boxes are sometimes the, the gangable ones are the only option yeah. we really have. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, I, 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 Guys love those. Guys still yeah. rock them to this day. They love those boxes. They'll do brand new houses in those boxes I see, right? So, mm-hmm. hey, it's just personal preference, I suppose. We I like saw, plastic for new work if we can, yeah. yeah. Somebody somewhere, maybe it's like you're saying out east up there, um, somebody said they're only allowed to use metal. They weren't allowed to use plastic. Interesting. Yeah, yeah every, city's, every city or every place in the United States has its own. I was talking to a guy from Chicago, and he was saying that, and, and anybody from Chicago listening can obviously correct me if this is wrong, but he was saying that everything had to be done in conduit there. Like every run they did had to be a conduit run. Like there was wow. no, no. Yeah, I remember you no saying that on another podcast. I'm glad that's not here because my uh, EMT bending skills. Oh my God. I got very little experience. That's one thing I regret. Yeah. A lot of my friends one worked in, in industrial atmospheres and uh, they uh, they got better at that and sure. I didn't. Yeah. You know, I'm pretty good at bending PVC. I've done a yeah. lot of that yeah. living in an ocean uh, community. But, uh, what man, that EMT. For, what's your bending tool? What do you use for bending? Oh, PVC? yeah. Let's talk about our bending tool. <laughs> so, you know, the old heat gun, man, I tell you, as an apprentice, my boss would have me in the corner mm. a windy winter day, and you're hitting there, then he, you know, be yelling at me, why are you taking so long to bend that three inch PVC? Or not three inch, two inch PVC. And I'm like, ah, it's. As I heat it up, it's cooling down. It just yeah. was like a nightmare. And then, and then there was you know the Greenlee uh, wrapper thing. You wrap the thing up there. But then yeah. that was like a three hundred dollar thing, four hundred dollars. And the reviews were like they break down. They always break mm. down. And so I never really did that. And then when I got on my own, I bought. Uh, I was going to buy the Greenlee PVC that caught box. Yeah. But then my um, my my uh, rep, my sales guy there, he said, "Well, Southwire just is making one now, and it's two hundred dollars cheaper." Huh. So I bought the Southwire hotbox PVC bender thing. My God, it's amazing! You know, you can bend two foot chunks at a time, and you're not you're not kinking the wire. It's evenly heated. You have to continually rotate it. I learned the hard way. I was like, oh, I just let it sit in there, and I bubbled a couple pieces out, <laughs> yeah. and it, it will like burn right through it. You got to keep rotating it. But that is, you know, if I have the piece of conduit in my hand and it's not already in place. That's what I use. Okay. It's it's night and day. It was worth yeah. the eight hundred bucks. All right. Sure. I uh, when I was eighteen, my first maybe my second week as an electrician, I was working with a guy. We were doing a light post, and he was bringing PVC into it. He goes, "Oh, we got to heat this and bend it." I said, "Okay." And I, mind you, I have no experience in the electrical industry at all at this point. And he goes, "All right." So he uh, he takes some of his PVC glue, the solvent, and he pours it a little bit on the sidewalk. He pulls out his lighter and he lights it on fire like a little thing of napalm. And he rolled the PVC pipe over top of this flame. And I mean, it looked terrible. It got all brown and melty. Yeah, okay. But, but he got it bent. And I just remember being like, wow, that's how these guys do it, huh? Yeah. That's not how you do it. Yeah. Let me show you how that's to make not- some moonshine next. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I also learned oh that stuff God. is very flammable. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah! Wow! Unreal! Yeah, that's that's huge out here, especially in the winter. Like your your guys' winters are colder than mine, I'm sure. Um, are they colder here? You think? Or you guys aren't? You guys don't get too cold there? Yeah, we're so close to the ocean, and okay. we're you know we are at the southern end of uh, British Columbia, but okay. it's mainly the the ocean currents and everything that keep us from You're like freezing Seattle too weather. bad. Like yeah, Seattle like. 
Yeah, it's yeah. uh, it, you know, in the middle of the winter, we'll get a couple days that are here we go Celsius versus Fahrenheit, but uh, you know, under like zero Celsius. Yeah. I don't know what's that 30, 32? thirty two. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, the freezing point in in Celsius is zero, and the freezing point in uh, Fahrenheit is thirty two. So there you go. So we're we're usually probably around forty forty five degrees Fahrenheit in the okay. winter. In the summertime, it doesn't get hot either where we live. You can go to Port Alberni; it'll be, it'll be you know upwards of ninety, hundred degrees Fahrenheit. But like here, it's you know seventy, eighty, eighty is like very rare. Wow! You know, for us in Canada, that's like twenty five, thirty degrees Celsius is very rare. And you get sur- surfing is a big thing there. Surfing's huge. That's why I moved here. That's you know I gave up. I didn't give up snowboarding, but I, I you know I got into surfing way easier on the joints. Found this community, and that's where I was like, man, I want to start the electrical trade here and start my career here because, yeah, it's it's huge here. It's right. it's the reason I'm here. Is the ocean pretty mild considering that you guys don't get too warm there? It's pretty cold. It's cold. It's cold. You know, like even like growing up, like, oh, California, California, they're, you know, they're surfing in bikinis. No, nah, man, until you get, it's, it's like that whole uh, Pacific Northwest, even down like San Francisco, all the way up here, you're wearing thick five mils all winter long. Okay. Summertime, you're wearing thinner wetsuits. You can okay. get away with it. No one's, you know, a couple days a year, a couple, you know, hardcore people are rocking the, the boardies and you see a couple girls in bikinis just, just to say they did it. But it, it does it. It's not reality. It's right cold in the okay. in the winter time. Like our water will get down to forty five, forty eight degrees Fahrenheit. You know that's like five six degrees Celsius. So, you know, and, and I just went on a trip to Mexico, and there's a couple of California boys there um, uh, from Big Sur area, and their sa- their water is the same temperature as ours. Basically, they right. get a couple warm parts of the season in the summer, but basically. It's cold the whole way down the coast until you get like I don't know San Diego area. You start rocking, so it's cold, man. In the wintertime, five mil gloves, big thick booties, hoods, the whole shebang. It's freezing, and you still get out there and surf. Yeah, as much as I can. Well, I have a young family. I got you know a fourteen month and a three year old, and a business. So you guys know what it's like. You know the personal time. But for like mental health and exercise and all that, man, you you need it. Sometimes it's just like yeah. you know what, the special spots working today. We're not working, boys. My two employees, they're both surfers. It's okay. like we're all here for that. Works this yeah. works what allows us to be here. Okay. You know, unfortunately or fortunately, we have these lovely careers that we can do. So you do have to sacrifice your personal time, but that's that's a career, right? Correct. That's how it goes. So sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but we we agree wholeheartedly, man. If you, if you're not doing the things that uh, keep you sane, you know, Doug Doug's a lot of gardening. You know, I do a lot of miscellaneous things. But man, it's like if you can't do that to keep yourself enjoying all of this, then why are you doing it at all? Right. Why are um, you doing it? Yeah, are you living yeah. to work or working to live? You know, it's yeah, like. Exactly. And sometimes I'm in that mode and I'm just living to work and there's nothing wrong with that either. Like I was yep. talking to a friend the other day and we skipped a day of work because our special spot was working, this beautiful wave and we're out there and, you know, sometimes when that spot's working, I'm like, I can't think of work anyways. I'm just like, I'm like, oh, what's the waves like? What's the waves like? So, you're, sure. you know, you're better off just to like put yeah. the tool belt down and go. Yeah. But on the other side of it, it's okay to miss it's okay to miss a good surf session to do work. And I think as I grow older and have a family, you get better at, uh, you know, not 
feeling like you're missing out all the time. Like, focus on what you're doing today. The waves aren't going anywhere. You're going to be able to surf again, you know. Or, like, say, like, you can't go on this boy's golf trip because you got your kids at home. It's like, well, those golf trips are always going to be there. But your kids at this age aren't. So that's something I'm really trying to focus on. You know, it's okay to miss, miss out. To, to sacrifice or invest your time in your career or your family. Like, it's just part of growing up, becoming an adult, right? Yeah, like, well, and, and you, what you realize, especially when you start your own business, is that all these things come in waves. It's not, it's not this even trickle of nine to five or four to eight. What, right. And you mentioned it earlier with, with like payment or buying all of your supplies. It's like, it's going to pay off later. But what you realize when you do this is you don't get paid in a traditional sense. And, and it's, it's not necessarily a weekly paycheck. And the same is true with your time. You know, maybe you'll have to cram for six months at work, but then you get these big, we get these big breaks where it's like, it seems like there's a couple months at a time where I'm once a week, I'm able to go take a hike and just or have an early day. And so it's like, but then we're going to be cramming at another period. So it kind of comes in waves in terms of how you get paid and how you use your time. Yeah. The waves, man. Isn't that crazy with this industry? It's feast or famine. Like I tell you from mid August to uh, mid September, about that month there, my phone wasn't ringing. You know, I had lots of work lined up. It was like, hurry up and wait. I had all these houses to rough in that weren't ready for us. And I was like, oh, man, is this a new recession hitting now? Like, what, what's going on? Am I, you know, am I going to have to lay these guys off? And then sure enough, as soon as, right after Labor Day, getting into mid-September, the phone, all these little renovations, you know, and now we're, we're booked up. Yeah. You know, and I kind of, talking to people like, oh, people are on summer holidays. You know, people are trying to get their kids back to school. It's not like... People aren't thinking about that new car charger or, you know, that basement renovation or whatever. And then sure enough, now we're back into it. So it's just like a wave, feast or famine. It's always been like that. My boss has always told me it's like that. You know, when the work's there, you, you take it. And when it's not, you go for a surf and you don't you don't try not to stress about the work in the future. Because right. with our industry, hopefully we always have work. Depending on how this next recession plays out, we'll see. But uh, if it even happens, whatever. But uh, I think we'll all be okay if we just, uh, you know, and we can take that right into like the growing pains of a company. Like you guys were saying earlier in this conversation, like how, you know, you're thinking about growing a bit. And that's, you know, growing a bit is actually, it's, it's growing a lot. Like if you grow at all, you're growing so much. Like your last guest there, you're talking about like, once you have employees, you're no longer like, this is how much money I have in bank account. How can I afford payroll this time? Like, you know, it's crazy, eh? Like having employees like that. And that's just, that's part of the growing pains of a business. Right. Do you, do you ever plan? Do you think you'll ever get to the point where you want to expand like that? Do you see yourself in this phase, rocking it, doing it this way? I think so. I, it's one thing I've learned, like my dad has a lot of friends, you know, in their mid sixties who've all done that, who've, who've grown big, you know, dozen vans, whatever. Um, and then they hit their mid sixties and they're just like, you know what, Jay, just, if I could give you any advice, stay small, stay small and just, in, in, you know, manage what you have because I'm all about quality control. You know, I really want, you know, I spent 10 years learning how to do something to a, a certain level and I just want to keep achieving a higher level but you can't do that if you're all spreading a massive company and, and running around with your head chopped off keeping half a dozen or dozen guys going you know there's a lot more stress in that 
I love wearing the tools. I love doing the quality job. So I feel like I've grown bigger than I've wanted to already. Um, part of that reason being, you know, what my fourth year apprentice is going back to his finishes trade in January. So I need a guy to help me through that. So my guys are kind of staggering school. So I always have a guy. But in a perfect world, I just have me and one guy and we just and you gotta learn to say no. That's the issue, right? I everyone's your friend in a small community. And I hate saying no. I want to help everybody. But how you can't help everybody if, unless you grow. And then you're like, hey, well, I'm going to help everybody. I'm going to hire a bunch of people. And then and then they're like, oh, Jay, you missed this wire. Or, hey, oh, there's that. And then you're like, ah, oh, you're like, your yes. quality's going down. So exactly. I, I don't know, man. What do you guys think? Same. Yeah. Yeah, but we, we had this – we've always said uh, we want to stay small. And we couldn't see ourselves getting any bigger. Uh, but recently, we've just, it's, it's one of those things where you say no until you're like, oh, that's why we might want to grow. So we've that's recently, right. we, have, we have some, some stuff on the horizon that we, we've considered maybe growing a little bit. But I think ultimately, when we say it's still small, like, you know, definitely not a dozen trucks. Like, we can't imagine yeah. that. Uh, we can't no. imagine why, why we'd want to do that, you know? Yeah. Um, so we've all, we recently Doug really nailed it when we were coming back from Nika. He said, you know, growth only when growth is the solution. And so it's like that because we always say why why grow why grow you know yeah. just for money well, that's not good enough for us. Yeah. There has to be a legitimate reason. And um, so, but no matter what, I think even if we do grow a little bit, like you said, that's a lot. But we're not talking. We're not talking much. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. We can. Just enough. I think the real issue is just trying to figure out how the hell we do everything. And so, like, that's the, you know, when you're already yeah, running, right? you're already running full speed, and you you've got a bunch of irons in the fire, and you you basically work from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep in one capacity or another. Um, sometimes you just think, how what forever? Like, is this something's got to give? Like, I, you know, we got to do something. I mean, it's, it's a, the workload can be uh, tremendous. But like Josh said. It's you know, and like you said, it's it's in and it's out. It's feast or famine. Sometimes we go through these phases where we're like, oh, it seems like a pretty easy week, and then some weeks you're just like, well, we're seven days this week because we just got to catch up. Yeah. So yeah, I think the thing with us is it's just that there's so many things we're excited about doing. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. between hobbies and work and things that we feel like we can make. There's more things in work than just electrical for us. You know, like mm-hmm. there's podcasts, there's stickers, there's shirts, there's we want to give back to the community. We want to, you know, we want to travel and like, I'd love to come see your van in person. You know, yeah. we, this idea of like doing the podcast on the road. It's like, we have, we have so many ideas, things that we're excited about. So it's not just, we want to do more electrical work. Right. Well, yeah. yeah. I've, I've, I picked that up from your guys, uh, your podcast. Like you got your hand and you're kind of not sure which way to go but you're doing all of them and for me as a as a listener i really love how you guys have branched out to these like you know these ways that haven't always been done right you know and um obviously the instagram thing is one thing but this podcast is a whole other thing that i've you know really grabbed onto and really grateful for because not every electrical podcast is interesting even the new ones that are young people on there i get the the, the tangents go off electrical so often and there's nothing wrong with that, but like, I don't know what you guys are doing with this podcast seems to be getting me through some afternoons and really like when I can put the tool belt on, I slap on some stuff. I listen to some old ones that really, you know, got me motivated 
And uh, yeah, so you, those are some hard decisions that I don't have to deal with. Like I'm not really big on the Instagram. I'm more of a follower on there than uh, than like a, a guy who's posting all these really cool edited videos and whatnot. But you know, you know, I'm focused down that work way. But seeing what you guys are doing is very interesting. With you know, like you say, the shirts and stuff. I still haven't got my first batch of shirts. I've been saying I'm going to order shirts for like six months. Still haven't done that. Maybe I will now. You know. <laughs> What's hilarious about that, and Doug and I are such nerds, and we were talking about shirts and names and stickers before we had an electrical company. Yeah. It's like that is – that's we created a company so we had an excuse to make the merch. Kind of. That's amazing. Um, we're just brand nerds. We like – I don't know. I love packaging. I love like looking at something, and every time I look at any logo, I'm analyzing the shit out of it or – the way that I just love culture. I love work culture. I love like, you know, it, it's like for anybody who's ever like most of us in the trades, I think this is why it resonates for those of us who maybe school wasn't like high school and stuff for most of us in the trades was just such a drag. Uh, Cause you're just sitting there listening to whatever. Um, yeah. For, for those of us like this, this trade works perfectly because you, you get to just kind of like imagine the, the world for yourself and, and move in that direction. Um, I don't know. I just love that stuff. Love yeah, no, that's about. great guys. We're it's, it's amazing. And I, you know, if you ever do come to Victoria and come out that way and, and come on up, it'd be great to show you around. It's, an, yeah. it's a great thing. And I'd like to see you guys at Nika. Like I was showing my wife, um, you know, all the partying and all the music shows at night. She's like, Oh, let's go. I'll, I'll hang out in the hotel. You can go do the tool thing. You know, you go do that. But man, that you know, in Austin, she's like, I'd love to go to Austin. Like, I was like, if it's ever like Seattle or something a little bit closer, that'd be on the radar. We don't have those trade shows up here. There's a couple, but they're not just like electrical one. They'd have, there's a lot more home shows. You know, your you know designer style style, but uh, you know, to go to one of those shows would be amazing. You know, and you can really vibe with everyone in the industry and. Yeah, and you guys did a great job of that. You interviewed a couple of really lovely people. I still I wanted to listen to the Dustin episode yesterday, but I couldn't quite find that one. I'll find it today. I don't. It's and, on. Uh, I think I might have posted it or reposted it somewhere. It's somewhere. Might yeah, be and like you guys covered such a vast variety there, and like you guys looked like you had so much fun. And it's like directions from Doug. <laughs> it's you'll end up somewhere. You'll find that shit. Yeah, I'll find it. Guarantee yeah. my directions. My directions are more that I just believe in you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, exactly. like, how do I get there? I'm like, you figure, you got, I trust you got this shit. Oh uh, like, yeah, heart. <laughs> well, Jason, man, thanks so much for your time. Um, we really appreciate it. this. Was an awesome conversation. Um, you're definitely, you know, somebody that's just like us, just out there trying to put your heart into it and put your your best foot forward every single day. Yeah, and those yeah, are kind you. of people that we want to make those connections with um where can people find you have you've obviously got your uh, your instagram handle um yeah. do you have a website that they can check out you know i don't i'm pretty uh you know i don't i, I you know i was real busy off the get-go i didn't really do any marketing i got a little slow i'm like maybe i should do more marketing but you know i'm just idling i got some, you know just instagram is all i got i'll try to get a bit more active on my posts there you know but it, it's it's more or less just a small community vibe. It's like Newman Brothers, right? It's just like local level stuff going on here in my world. Um, and that's about it, you know. And uh, for you guys, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep those 
interesting podcast coming because I am. It gets me through the day, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. Obviously, I'm not the only one. I don't know how many listeners you have, but anyone who is listening, they're just getting the full benefit and that motivation. Like it's yeah. just you got to keep that motivation up. It's not always it's easy, not. but podcasts like yours. It really helps, man. So thank you very much for what you're doing, putting me in a position to reach out to you guys and create conversations like this. Not everyone wants to talk like this. You know, I can't go out on a Friday night and talk shop all night, you know. <laughs> you know, even though I want to, it doesn't that's, always work like that. Yeah, that's, that's what, what Nico was all about. Yeah. Nico, Nico is a room full of people who don't get pissed off in five <laughs> minutes if you don't shut up about tools. Oh, I'm coming. I'm coming to one. Where's the next one? Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Oh, that's a little far. Okay. We'll see. When it comes out west, maybe we'll see it out west. Yeah, right on, man. All right, okay, man. Well, have, guys. A, have a great work day, and uh, we'll let you know when we post this guy. Yep. Okay. Thanks a lot, Doug and Josh. Take care. All right. That's our episode with Jason Hogan. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed that as much as we did. Uh, I wanted to say something real quick before you guys go. I had somebody reach out to us on uh, through the website through the Ask Us Anything port, which uh, you guys have full access to if you want to communicate with us, Ask Us Anything. We've got that on our website, uh, www.modernelectricianpod.com. Got an email from a man named Nick Chittle. Nick, I want to respond to your email, but I made the mistake of not putting a little place up there for you to put your email in in that form. So I've made that correction. Nick, if you could reach back out to me, I'd love to have you on the show. Um, Tried to send you an email and realized I forgot to, to do that. So that's been fixed. Uh, for the rest of you, feel free to reach out to us through the uh, website. You got any questions? You got a great story you'd like to tell? You want to talk about some strategy you know about in the trade? Do you feel like you have something that you could turn around and share and give to the younger generation, whether it's insight or tool advice or career advice? Whatever the case may be, feel free to reach out. We'd love to have you on. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. Uh, this thing is growing the way we'd like it to, nice and slow, um, so that we can keep monitoring our content, making the content good, and talking to the people we want to. So if you like it, head on over to patreon.com and become a patron today. Guys, thanks so much for listening. Have a great week. Do good work. We'll see you next time.